Hello, sweet summer children. You've reached another episode of the podcast, Peep This Noise. This is a super special episode because it's our first part two. I'm Logan Johnson, and across the airwaves, I've got with me the co-hosts. You guys want to introduce yourselves? Hi, I'm Greg Marchant. And I'm Nathaniel Johnson. I always want something pithy to say here, and it never comes. Yeah, and you keep making inane comments at that moment, too. Hmm? You keep making inane comments at that moment, too, and it kind of throws it off a little bit. I hadn't noticed. <laughs> it's true. It's, it's every like, time. To paraphrase, to paraphrase Thumper, if you don't have anything pithy to say, don't say nothing at all. I don't think that's what Thumper said. I think it's really close, but I don't think that's what he said. It was also Thumper's dad, I just remembered. Oh, And wow. as we all know, Thumper's dad was Gandhi. So it's pretty valid, I would say. Um, yep. Very valuable quote. But yeah, as we... Uh, as I alluded at the top of this episode before we already threw this off the rails on a crazy train, um, we are doing our first part two. We're talking about the – is it the second season, Greg? It's the second set of discs for sure. Um, it's um, – I I don't know honestly in its TV run if it was divided into two seasons or not. But I always think of it as the, as the second season because uh, – for our, for our listeners, we're talking about Toradora, um, and the uh, the first uh, the first half of the show is half a year in the time like in the it's half a school year for the students that the that are in the show, and then the second half is the second half of the school year. For those yeah. same students. You know, it just occurred to me that we've probably named these episodes wrong. I bet that Logan uh, put the first episode up in the feed as something like Toradora Part 1. Um, but we should have put the first episode up as Tora, and the second episode up as Dora. <laughs> or I could have called the first one Toradora Pre-Parade and the second one Toradora My Silky Love, because that's basically Ooh, that the split been <laughs> that these, these yes. went on. So, so for people who aren't familiar with, like anime tropes um sometimes the theme song of an anime will shift when the tone shifts which is it's not just sometimes it's like every time (laughs) well that's exactly what happens with toradora and the first song is called pre-parade and the second song is called my silky love or at least that's that would be my guess that's what those songs are called but that's the the energy of both of those um but yeah uh so for people who maybe missed last episode or who have elected not to watch Toradora against all my advice to the contrary. Do you want to just give another pitch for this episode or for this TV show, Greg, and and then we'll dive into it? Yeah, it is definitely the best um, anime with a, uh, with a romantic comedy high school setting. And that's pretty much all you need to know, but basically it's about two high school students who um, who team up together in order to each try and help the other get with the other's best friend. So the girl has a best friend that the guy wants to, that the guy is interested in, and to the guy has a best friend that the girl is interested in. Um, you know, it, it has occurred to me that we have missed a golden opportunity with both of these episodes as well to do some more anime tropes. Because uh, at the end of each of the episodes, they give you a preview for the next episode. <laughs> if we would have done like a preview next time for... on Peep This Noise, uh, will like... Nathaniel derail the episode within the first five minutes? Will no, Greg really like ever that... be able to articulate a point? What I... uh, what pithy saying will Logan say first? <laughs> Find out next time on Peep This on Peep This Noise. I I especially love the way that Toradora does their teases because instead of saying like will this happen will this happen in like the 80s style they actually just take quotes out of context right so like all of a yep. sudden it'll be oh by the way spoilers for Toradora all of a sudden it'll be like Tyga's in love with me oh no Inko and then it's like wait what do those two things have to do with each other <laughs> and, and oftentimes they'll pick like the most inane like disparate line <laughs> to just throw in there just to like spice up the preview for the next one it's very good um, well and that's exactly what I was hoping we would do and furthermore I was also hoping 
that we would uh, have like a previously on peep this noise um <laughs> where it's just a bunch of commentary that you can like vaguely follow what happened last time i think it would have been very good very fun keep that in mind boys for future episodes like this where we do two-parters um i like this when, I we inev- when this podcast inevitably spins all the way off of the track that it's circling rapidly <laughs> around and we end up doing lost um it'll just be like previously on peep this noise and you'll just hear me in the background like don't open it mr Locke," (laughs) like just like us (laughs) saying all these random quotes from Oscar. like we have to go back kate we have to go back (laughs) um so yeah that that could be fun um i i think we should do it not Um, great audio in fact we'll lose all of our already limited listenership but it could be fun so but we could we could gain a new listenership back by like when we do our eight part Shrek series. That's true. That's you true. know Shreks and... one through four each in two parts. <laughs> and then when Shrek five comes out, we'll do that. We'll go see it in theaters yep. and live stream it. <laughs> um, well, we I mean, have a limited. We have a limited amount of time with which to construct this podcast. We've burned a large amount of it now talking about Shrek. So <laughs> let's let's loop us back in. And, uh, and, and Greg, let's talk a little bit about uh, some of what you wanted to discuss for Toradora this week. Yeah, we're going to loop back away from Shrek into everybody's other favorite waifu. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, no, actually, um, I'm, I'm going to talk about probably everybody's... Uh, probably a lot of people's uh, least favorite main character in this show, uh, who is Kawashima Ami. Um, specifically, this uh, this first portion, each of us has picked a character, and we're going to talk about what the show is trying to say through that character about the overarching themes of the show, which, as last time we discussed, uh, tend to be love and selfishness. Um, and... The, the person that I picked uh, was Ami. So we're each going to take just a few minutes and kind of each lead a mini, uh, a mini discussion slash breakdown on these characters. So um, one, of the, one of the things that I noticed about Ami is that um, for her, uh, her, her whole arc is all about feeling understood is what I got out of it. Um, I don't know, I don't know if you guys got any, uh, had different takes on it, but, um, she, uh, she comes to their school running away from, running away from a stalker and she puts on the same face for her classmates as she does for everyone else, which is this ditzy, um, this ditzy kind of, uh, princessy attitude hiding the fact that she's actually kind of a jerk and really full of herself i think taiga actually uh sums up a lot of her personality pretty easily whenever she calls her a dumb chihuahua meaning (laughs) meaning not that i actually think that ami's character is, is a dumb chihuahua but that's definitely in a lot of ways the personality that she puts out there yeah meanwhile she's uh she ends up seeking, uh, she ends up, uh, loosening up a little bit, but still not getting the kind of validation she was looking for from the friends that she made initially. Um, and she really comes, she really comes to this point where she starts to have feelings for Ryuji because he, uh, because she feels that he understands her more than, the other people do. She she makes the statement that they're that or he makes the statement that uh, they're on the same page, and she says, "Yeah, well, we're in the same book. I'm just a few pages ahead of you." But she she perpetuates this idea of he understand Ryuji understands her more than uh, more than everybody else does. Um, on the other and so for for her understanding is kind of the form of love that she's uh that she's kind of seeking but on the other hand she's there's kind of a selfish side of side of it too um i felt like she she wants uh someone to she wants people to see her a certain way and 
at first she at first that's kind of her line of defense she wants people to see her as this ditzy person so that she can manipulate them but later on with uh with Ryuji she's thrilled to find out that he doesn't see her as super mature like everybody else does because she wants to be seen um she she's sick of being seen um in that light by everybody and being put up on a pedestal and she kind of uh, and she kind of enjoys the the fact that Ryuji doesn't put her on a pedestal and doesn't really put up with her crap. Um, so yeah, I I thought I thought she was a really interesting character in that, but I wanted to talk a little bit about her and her stalker in the sense of being seen be, uh, versus being understood. Um, in that episode, um, what what did you guys? think like what was your initial reaction to uh um the way she like finally chased down her stalker and had a conversation with him while she smashed his camera up like what was your initial reaction to that um i guess i'll take this i was a little bit i don't remember my initial reaction you were a little bit confused logan yeah, I, like, it's, she has such a weird reaction to this whole thing, right? Like, she's like, okay, I'm just going to hide. And then, like, he finally catches up with her and everybody's like, okay, this is happening, right? Um, and then she basically is like, what would Tyga do in this situation? And then she just <laughs> does not what Tyga would do, although maybe what Tyga would do, but what she perceives that Tyga would do, right? Which yeah. is this really odd kind of dichotomy where... Where all of a sudden she's like, okay, I'm just going to go for it and, and be Tyga in this situation, which is, uh, really, it was really weird to me. And I was like, okay, like, what is she trying to do here? I, you know, we, we talked for a little bit about how this whole anime does kind of wobble into this phase of it being like a, a harem anime for a minute, right? Where like mm-hmm. every ma- every lead lady in this show likes Ryuji at some point or another, and I definitely yeah. got that vibe a little bit, right, from from Ami, even at the beginning, where it's like, she always kind of seems like she wants to be Taiga, and she even says that in her final monologue, that, like, not that she wanted to be Taiga, but that, like, she thought that people liked Taiga because she was just herself, right, and because she was just mean, like, and, and let everybody see it instead of trying to hide it. But then she determines yeah. that that's not really it. It's just that Taiga is really cool. <laughs> that's why people <laughs> like Taiga, right? But it is. It, it, it yeah. did strike me kind of weird at first that this was like, this was, this was what they she went for was just to try and act the way that she thought Taiga would react in this situation, which I just thought was interesting. I don't know. It was confusing to me, but not in the sense of like I don't understand this. It was just like, oh, that is not what I expected from this character, <laughs> you know? Yeah. It. It was interesting because she did uh, specifically say, what would Taiga do? And then she kind of channeled the most violent parts of uh, Taiga's personality and reaction. Yeah. But I think it's interesting how, especially in the second season, she's so accepting of Taiga and so willing to work with her and help her and you know, basically be her friend. Um, like, I don't know. I think that's not what I would have ever expected of her personality going, you know, going out of season one and out of the stuff we saw. Um, but then you take moments like the stuff with the stalker and that makes total sense because she does look up to Taiga in at least some fashion. Yeah. Um, one of the one of the things that I thought was uh, that I thought was interesting was to compare her uh, her stalker to um, like uh, compare her stalker to her friends that she makes at this new school that she comes to, mm. where her uh, her stalker is. Um, it, it's the difference between being seen and being understood. Her stalker sees her. He's obsessed with what he thinks he sees. He's obsessed with his, uh, his perception of her from afar on this very superficial level, which it's a, 
it's that superficiality that she also kind of relies on to go about her interactions with most of her classmates, which is just counting on the fact that they'll only see her at this superficial level. They'll only see what she wants them to see. Um, versus being understood, which is where her friends come in, which is uh, uh, where first uh, where first Kitamura clues in um, clues in uh, Ryuji and then Taiga and then uh, Minori kind of figures things out and that kind of thing, um, where they all kind of understand something about who she really is aside from the aside from the face she just puts on. Um, I think comparing especially how she feels about Ryuji to how she felt about her stalker kind of, um, kind of points out, um, why she feels so strongly about the need to be understood, um, because she spends so much of her time just being seen. Well, it's interesting, um, with Ami wanting to be seen, I mean, wanting to be understood and not just seen, but then putting on an attitude that, like, specifically keeps her from being understood. Mm-hmm. Um, well, it's interesting, my wife and I, um, that's part of why we actually fell in love, is because I had an ad, when she met me, I was in a, uh, place where my mental health wasn't super great, and I was actively pushing people away, um, as a result of that, um, and putting on an attitude of just kind of a really mean person in a lot of ways. And, um, my wife, then friend at the time, uh, looked at that and said, wait, no, I, I knew you before this all happened, like, and we've reconnected now, what's going on, and was able to understand me instead of just see me. So all of the efforts that I was doing to push people away because they weren't understanding me and because my mental health was garbage she saw through and didn't just see the surface um and i think in a lot of ways that's what happens to ami here is she finds a group of people who just look at her and go come on what is this garbage this isn't who you really are yeah um logan do you have any final thoughts on um on understanding as a form of love or on ami in or on uh, Ami's character and her arc. Yeah, something that I think is really interesting here is it kind of bringing in the selfishness part that we talked about was like another main theme in this show is the way that she clearly values understanding and being understood as like this form of love and this form of connection. Like she clearly that's the way she views it. But then she makes it so difficult for anyone to understand her, right? Like, Ryuji, who she admits in the last episode that she's been in love with, right? <laughs> Ryuji, yeah. the reason that he never reciprocates or never, like, nothing ever happens there throughout the entire arc of the show is because every interaction he has with Ami is her being, is him being like, I am so confused by the words that just came out of your mouth, <laughs> right? <laughs> like, he cannot, I mean, we as the viewer understand the irony there right this is continuing my thesis from last week that ryuji is just the dumbest brick to ever enter the anime scene (laughs) um but that's why like you know she clearly values being understood and understanding others as like the form of love and in fact as she gets closer to this group of friends she kind of prides herself on fully understanding the dynamic right that's like her ex- yeah. her expression of, of loving mm. these people, but she makes it so hard for them to understand her in return, right? Like, yeah. she's very cryptic, she's very confusing, she telegraphs things weirdly and, like, puts herself out there in weird ways. Um, to add a, a little bit onto this, one thing that I think is really cool is at the very end of the, sh- the show, when she's in that, uh, like, storage room with Ryuji confessing her feelings... She says that part of the reason why she started to be a jerk to him is because it was killing her to watch Taiga get hurt, right? And yeah. when you connect that to, like, she sees understanding as love, for somebody to come at her every single day like, you dumb chihuahua, <laughs> right? And to be like, I see what you're doing here. 
um, of course she like looks up to and cares about that person, right? When you see understanding as her form of love. And so I just think it's interesting that she has these people who she sees see her and then she makes it so hard for them to actually see deeper or to see more of, of who she is in a moment rather than just yeah. who she is over time. I kind of get the sense that she enjoys um, that she enjoys the idea of confusing, especially Ryuji, the person that she feels like understands her, uh, that she kind of expresses. Oh, I think you, I think you get me a little bit. I think she is. I kind of got the feeling that she kind of enjoyed confusing him to see how far she could stretch this, like see, uh, see how deep the understanding went. Well, um, it, it, it's it's kind of twisted um, in a way, like, because she wants people to understand her. And that's, like we said, that's her form of love. So really, obviously, the people who love her most are the people who understand her no matter what she's doing. Yeah. I mean, that is completely twisted and backwards and wrong. (laughs) Um, But in a way, that's kind of how she perceives things. But that's how a lot of, that's how a lot of, communication really is it's not most people aren't good at communicating their feelings like yeah yeah so that that's kind of a fun aspect to it there's almost this sense too that she wants ryuji to work for it right like yeah (laughs) not not just because he gets her naturally but he should also work to understand her and he never really puts in that time which is why at the end she's like, you know, I had a great experience with you even though you never loved me back. And he never says, I don't love you, right? Mm-hmm. Now he does say, I love Taiga. That is a thing that he says to her when she basically begs him to say it. Um, <laughs> but yep. she, he never says outright, I don't love you. But he does kind of by his actions, at least in her, from her viewpoint, right? Because every time he says something confusing, she says something confusing, he's just kind of like, yeah, all right, uh, whatever. <laughs> and just kind of walks away, right? Like, he never really yeah. puts in the effort to yeah, understand. Yeah, you're right. He, just, he runs with what he has naturally. And I think you that's know, where I'm, she gets that idea. I normally want to argue with your statement that he's the dumbest brick to enter the anime scene, because I think that the way the end of the show plays out, it shows that he's not a dumb brick. But gosh, yeah, in all of his interactions with Ami, he's a dumb brick. In every interaction with every single person except for the end of this show, he is... Like, the end of this show blew me away because I was like, Ryuji, but I didn't know you had it in ya. <laughs> okay, I mean, I mean, Taiga's supposed to spend that time maturing, but um, hopefully Ryuji would have as well. <laughs> oh, I'm talking about something different than I think either of you guys are, but that's okay. No, I think I know All what right, you're talking Ami. about. But that was we'll, a very we'll Ami that. thing to say. <laughs> I was like, well, oh, with you that, just don't understand. <laughs> well, Nathaniel, if uh, if you understand so much more than the rest of us, why don't you take us into our next character? Okay, so this character might have legit been my favorite character in the series. Um, She's besides, insufferable. Absolutely besides Taiga and Ryuji, I was going to say. Um, <laughs> and that character is Minorin. Um Now, where we've said, uh, conversely, that Ami's character arc, her love is to be understood, um, and then she makes it really difficult for people, I think Minorin is legitimately beyond understanding. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Not because she doesn't want to be understood, and she's got this weird complex that Ami does. She's just so completely wild and insane compared to the rest of the characters that she cannot be understood. Um, and this is a character who, I mean, she explores briefly in the show, uh, the concept of sexual orientation, where she says that she might be a lesbian at one point, briefly, um, and then she goes, but I don't know, maybe that's not me. Um, she works, like, a thousand different jobs during the show. She is... Sorry to interrupt. But the you work here, Minorine, is the best bit in the show, except for maybe the recurring Starbucks joke, um, which is that <laughs> the very first time the Starbucks restaurant appears, it's called Sudobucks, and yeah, Ryuji's like, yeah, Ryuji says, <laughs> Ryuji says, I cannot believe they haven't been sued. Like, he says that. 
Um, so that, and then the metering you work here bits are my two favorite recurring bits in the show, I think. That's very good. Because <laughs> they're so pure. But yeah, this idea that she works a million jobs is very funny to me. Um, while also, you know, having her life so crammed with extracurriculars and school and friendship drama that she just is, she never has time for anything honestly um and then i think it takes until she is forced to slow down and go to the beach with them that we finally see like her personality for real like it's always there but like that's the first time we really see it and then we only catch brief glimpses of it during like climactic bits of episodes whereas everybody else we get to have like quiet one-on-one moments with them it always has to be the biggest and the flashiest with Mina Rain, except the beach episode, in my opinion, at least. I think there's one other portion. Okay. And that's when uh, that's when Ryuji and Minari go uh, go to check on Kitamura. Mm. Like they they go to his house and they find he's not there. But on the way, they walk and talk. Sure. And she just has that outburst where she's like, "No, I'm not amazing. I'm such a phony." Hmm. Um, and it's the, it's, it's, uh, it's, I think even, I think not even the beach episode, do we see her facade kind of drop at all? Like her, her optimism, I I don't even think we see her optimistic nature really go away even in that episode, but we see it lapse briefly here Mm -hmm. where, where she just has that outburst. Well, and I was going to say, it's really interesting that this character who is beyond understanding, in a lot of ways. Um, <laughs> this eldritch being, Minarine. <laughs> this eldritch <laughs> being, Minarine. Um, Bring your sacrifices to the pier and throw them over to give them to Kushieda. <laughs> well, <laughs> but she does things, though, that, like... The shadow sh- over Ohashi. <laughs> Okay, this is very good. Um, no, she does things, though, like she just shoots Ryuji down before Ryuji's allowed to talk to her about how he feels, mm-hmm. right? Or she's like, no, you should go t- chase after Taiga. Like, I'm going to be okay. And, like, we as the audience, we all know she's not okay. Yeah. Um, and I think it's interesting that the only person who actually sees her break down over how she feels about Ryuji is Ami. The character who prides themselves on understanding other people. Yeah. Um, and she's completely beyond understanding, like I said. Uh, but what's interesting is she doesn't know how to chase her own bliss. She's always doing what she thinks is expected of her, but she never actually looks out for her own emotional well-being. And that's a thing that people do. Like, there are people who basically run themselves into the ground for the people they love when the people that they love don't need them to. And it's because they don't know how to chase after their own happiness. And I think that's what Meanerine is in this show. Is the embodiment of that. With, I, I would say that's interesting because in her one-on-one with Ryuji, after they, after they try and chase down Taiga, mm-hmm. and he needs to take her to the, um, he needs to take her to the infirmary and bandage her up for a second... Um, she, uh, Minarine, um, says that, you know, when I said I, I'm going to do, I'm going to do this, like my future plans, because it's the only thing I can see, that's because that's what my happiness is. I'm going to do the happiness, I'm going to follow the happiness that I'm choosing for myself, but she does spend a whole ton of time being self-sacrificing and not going after what, uh, not going after exactly what, uh, exactly what she wants. Right, and I think that because that comes out in the like two or three episodes that are essentially the climax of this show, like that's when that comes out that she's going to chase her own bliss. I think that's the. That's the completion of her character arc in a lot of ways. Yeah. Uh, Logan, do you have any thoughts? Yeah, so my favorite part of um, the the second theme song, the Silky Heart, is I googled it, that's the name of that song. My favorite part is 
uh, right when the music is swelling, and I, I can't remember exactly what the English lyrics are, but it's something like, like I'll let my my fears fly or something like that. And the music swells up, and you just see uh, Minarine come down and out of the stairwell and sprint around the corner. Right? It's the only sequence from a theme song, from the theme song that I saw happen in the theme song and then I saw happen in the show and I was like, oh, I've seen that in the theme song. That was the only time that it had happened because what that sequence is is her chasing down Taiga after they essentially corner Taiga and make her admit that she's in love with Ryuji when Ryuji's in the room. A very cruel thing to do, but necessary. Um, and and I think about that in a lot of ways in, in connection with uh, Minori's character because she is the person who's big theme song moment that she gets is her sprinting after somebody else to help them reconcile what they're going through emotionally, right? Which is a thing that she does not do for herself uh, pretty much at any point in this show um, until she kind of has to, right? Um, and so I think it's interesting that she's so devoted and so invested in in helping others, kind of like Nathaniel said, before finally everything reaches a break point and that's when she focuses on what she wants, which is a really, a really good arc for her character to have because like I said, I, I alluded to the fact that I find this character insufferable. That's not true. I just find her insufferable for maybe the first half of this show. I think it was when like she went to, when she shot Ryuji down, which by the way, side note, she did that by like talking about the stars and ghosts and aliens and he somehow picked up on that. I did not think that was very realistic because he is dense. <laughs> if, Ami had, if Ami had used those words, he would have been like, I am not following. <laughs> um, Yet you're not factoring in his overwhelming lack of confidence. That, that, that's the missing ingredient here. True. <laughs> that's a good, when, I'm also, when you have that. Oh, sorry. Yeah. Go ahead. <laughs> I was going to say, I'm also, I'm not factoring in his lack of confidence in that decision because every second afterwards, he's like, D- sorry, did she, what did we think here? Did she? And it's like, dude, definitely, man, like a hundred percent. She shot you down. If, if you go one-on-one, here's a helpful tip for all of our, all of our listeners out there who may be in the dating scene. If you go one-on-one with something and you start talking to them and they don't let you speak and then they leave, they shot you down. <laughs> there's, there's no other possible interpretation there. Um, anyway, that was a, a total sidetrack. But I really do think that that was when um, I started to kind of see, like, okay, she does seem to know what she wants, but now she's, instead of just, like, throwing what she wants into the void like she does so often and just like sacrificing things nobody's asking her to sacrifice right that was the first time i saw her like give something up because she had seen taiga have a breakdown right and so of course she's not going to go for ryuji right now right no matter what she's feeling right and then that's when i think she starts to realize like okay that's when she starts to catch a glimpse of what she wants but then also the kind of person that she wants to be right she knows what she wants, and she wants to be the kind of person who chases it, but not if that chasing is going to hurt other people, right? And so I think it's yeah. cool like how often we see her running and sprinting and chasing in this show for other people, like physically running um, down around corners and to win the, what's it called, the Lucky Man contest? Yeah, um, yeah. Mr. Lucky Man. Mr. Lucky Man, that's what it is. <laughs> Man, what a peak name for like a pageant race thing. Like just very good. Um I think it's interesting how often we see her using her athleticism as like a physical embodiment of her her inner commitment first to her desires, but also to be the kind of person who never lets their desires get in the way of their feeling for other people, which I think is really cool. Yeah. I think there is a little bit of an element of selfishness to it as well, um, because in her in her pursuit of other people's it, when when other people are trying to, uh, when Taika is trying to say, no, I just wanted you to be happy with Ryuji, Minarin says, but no, I wanted you to be happy. Why do you get to, <laughs> I wanted you to be happy with Ryuji. Why do you get to decide uh, my happiness for me? And then she proceeds to say, but I get to decide your happiness for you, which was kind of, kind of funny. Hmm. Yeah. The other, I think the other possible read on that and maybe... 
not to to hop into the writer's room and say, well, if I had written it, <laughs> but I, I think if another way of looking at that too is is looking at it from this perspective, right? There's the perspective of Taiga saying, I want you to be happy with Ryuji. And in a way, Minoreen saying, you are happy with Ryuji. <laughs> and I don't want to get in the way with of that, right? Yeah. Like this is, this is Taiga is constantly, and, and I guess we'll start talking about this relatively soon here, but Taiga is constantly pushing like Ryuji's love over <laughs> to Minoreen and just being like, hey, you take this now. This is, it's your time to have this love. Because it's not for me. But Taiga has it basically the whole time. And she's constantly giving it away. And I think that's the distinction here, right? Is that it's there's not really at any point from the end of the first episode where Ryuji's like, you're a tiger and I'm a dragon, <laughs> right? Where yeah. they don't have a very special bond, right? And it goes through ups and downs, which I criticized last time. And thankfully was on the same page of, with Ami on that one. Um, <laughs> but um, I just think it's interesting. I think maybe there's a distinction there. Like, obviously, yes, Minoreen says, you have, you're not allowed to pick my happiness, but I'm allowed to pick yours. But I think part of that is because Taiga already has that happiness and she's trying to get rid of it, right? Yeah. In favor of somebody who doesn't have it, which, you know, is, I think, a different thing. Yeah, that makes sense. Anyway, Logan, um, why don't you take us away? You were going to talk about Taiga, right? Yeah. So when I saw that you guys picked Ami and, and uh, Minori, I was like, maybe we should, maybe I could pick somebody else like uh, Kitamura or or something like that. But um, I don't know. I got to talk about Taiga because I think she's by far the most interesting and easily my favorite character in this whole show. And a character that I, at the beginning, I laughed at and did not relate to at all. And by the end, I was like, oh, man, I get this character in, like, a major way um, as more of her, like, inner thoughts start to be revealed and things like that. Um, so I guess what I think is really interesting about Taiga is that, like, I guess I'll just come out with the hot take at the beginning. I think her love is kind of inherently selfish, <laughs> right, um, until the very end of the show, right? I think about the pool sequence where she literally screams Ryuji is mine, which is just a fantastic um, breakdown sequence. Top three Taiga breakdowns for sure. Um, it's that, <laughs> that one. The, somebody hit me up. Somebody just zapped me that YouTube link, mail at peepthisnoise.com. If you've seen a Taiga breakdown compilation somewhere floating around the internet, I'll watch that all day. Um, her breakdowns are spectacular. Um, it's that one for sure is number three. And then it's the beating up on the student council president is number two. And then I really love the, uh, Christmas party breakdown where she sends Ryuji away to go be with Minori. And then she immediately regrets it and chases him down. And I think like, like we see kind oh, of this reveals. Yeah. Yeah. This oh. reflexive sel selfishness in her, um, in her relationship with Ryuji where it starts off in its very rudimentary form is like, Ryuji is mine. He's, well, first, literally, he's my dog, right? I'm going to mistreat yep. this guy to the max. And then he's my dog, soft accent on all of that, right? Like, I own him and I really do care for him because he's my dog. And then it's like, he's my dog with absolutely no force behind that whatsoever. And then it's like, <laughs> I love him, <laughs> right? And it like, it oscillates from zero to 60. Like, it's like, it turns on a dime, right? It immediately, she goes from saying like, she is selfish about Ryuji's physical interactions, right? Like, I think about the beach house scene where Ami pretends to like be coming on to Ryuji and Taiga walks in. And yep. I, I think about like, she has a very cooled, cool down reaction to that. But she is obviously very upset about it, right? Like, she doesn't really, like, do the Taiga thing, but she's clearly bothered by that interaction, right? And I think about that, like, yep. as, as, like, her selfishness over, like, his physical dominion and his physical space. But then I think it transitions probably right around the theme song shift to she has a selfishness over the love that she has for him, which is to say that, like, yes, she like air quote likes Kitamura but she has this like deep buried like love for Ryuji that nobody else is going to see 
right? I think about this in connection with like her student handbook, which Ryuji finds in the last episode, right? Or maybe the next to last episode. Um, One of those two, yeah. Yeah, she left it somewhere in some context when she like fled. And he opens it up and you see like the picture of her and Kitamura when she's wearing like the sick dope AF angel outfit that she rips up. Um, (laughs) You see that picture and then he like moves it to like get a better look at it. And like behind it is the picture of him and her in like the devil outfits from that play. And I think about this in kind of like the the spatiality of those photographs being a representation for her actual feelings, right? So on the outside, on what's not even on the outside, but what's if you peek right under the surface, if you peel back just the first layer of taiga, that was much more visceral of an analogy than I meant it to be. But if you if you just like peek under like just the comforter, if you skin the, the tiger layer, just a little bit. <laughs> yeah. Hey yeah. guys, we're gonna be talking about onions and personalities and layers and ogres on a whole other episode. <laughs> right, a whole other series of eight episodes, actually, if you remember our commitment from the beginning. Yes, I do. Yeah, I do um, forget. But if you if you look just under the surface of Taiga You'll be like, oh, of course, like, this is the girl who absolutely loves Kitamura. And that's exactly where all of her classmates land, right? They're like, they would be a great couple. Obviously, they like each other. Let's set this up. But if you dig any deeper, you're like, oh, boy, like, that is not it at all, right? And I think about, like, the connection of the way that she holds this love. This love is not even for her and Ryuji to share. It's just for her, right? Hmm. And and I think about that in, in the way that, like, she's so ready to pass it to Minarine, right? Like, she's like, no, I want you to be happy because the, this love that I feel isn't for me and Ryuji. It's it's just mine, right? It's not for me and my, like, like when her mom comes and is like, hey, you're you're coming with me, young lady, because I, for once, one of us has to be a responsible parent for once. Please, for once, just let me be a responsible parent. <laughs> and she's immediately like, uh, no. And her mom's like, oh, you're Ryuji. You seem like a great guy. And <laughs> Taiga's still like, I hate this lady. Let's bounce, right? Like, it's still <laughs> like this, this meet the parents moment becomes this like, hey, I, I don't even want our relationship to be a parent to any person mature enough to understand it, right? Like, you and I are going to run away because I don't want to face somebody saying, you two seem to really like each other, right? As, like, as a side note, I almost picked uh, I almost picked Tyga's mom for for this discussion. But that would have been a good one. Yeah. Um, yeah. But I just think it's interesting the way that she she buries it, right? Or Or I think about, like, when you finally start to get the layers peeled back all the way in those last two episodes where she's really starting to unravel and share everything with Ryuji, right? One of the things that she says is, do you remember nine whole episodes ago when you're, or maybe even longer, when your mom said I was part of the family? She's like, I really felt like I was. And it's like, yeah, but you just kept that in forever, right? E- even when she has a dream where she marries Ryuji on the same night that he has the same dream, <laughs> she's like yeah that was terrible which is not and then when she starts talking to him at length about it she's like you know i get to thinking maybe that wouldn't be so and ryuji brickheaded as ever uses his oatmeal brain processing power to be like (laughs) wait what could you possibly mean and she's like never mind (laughs) right because immediately she wants to hold this just for herself anyway i just think it's interesting that all the times that she pulls her love in and holds Like I said, first a selfishness over his physical presence and his physical connection to other people, but then as it becomes more nuanced, the relationship that they have becomes a secret just for her. I talked way too much about that, and I roasted Ryuji too many times, but that's kind of where I'm at. What do you guys think? Well, I I think about something interesting with Taiga. Um, I'm going to compare the relationship between Taiga and Ryuji to another relationship that I witnessed while I was in high school, um, because, you know, that seems fitting. Um, but there was this girl I was pretty good friends with when I was in high school who, uh, she liked one guy, but then she had another guy that was in her life and was close to her life who was a really good friend of hers who knew exactly how she felt about guy A and was like, Hey, I hear you. I get it. You've got romantic feelings for him. Um, but then she was telling me one time that she realized at one point 
that she got a text and she went to go check who it was from and she realized that she had the thought, oh, I hope it's from Guy B, who's my really good guy friend, because I think I might like him. Oh no, what's going on? Um, and that's kind of what happens to Tyga throughout this series, is she has this male confidant who knows exactly where her romantic feelings lie, or at least where she says they lie, and then as she continues to talk to him and, you know, they become friends, she realizes throughout the series, oh no, I actually love this guy instead of the other one. And it's interesting to me to see that, like, to have seen that actually play out in real life. Um, not just there, but, like, many times. Oh, yeah, dude, it's common. <laughs> um, it's wild. I, so... I... Oh, go ahead, Greg. Oh, no, I, it can wait. I want to hear what you have to say. <laughs> I was going to get personal on the cast again. Um, <laughs> how do I put this delicately? As somebody who has been Guy B a couple of times and has been absolutely blindsided by a girl being all of a sudden like, hey, I really like you. And me being like, wait, hold on. Hold on. Because like last week, it was this other dude. Like what's happening, right? Um, it's definitely a thing that happens. And I think it's very funny, which is, I think why part of why I'm so critical of Ryuji is because like, if I'm being honest, if there's a character I get in this, it's poor Ryuji, who's just dumb right um but yeah no it's it's a real thing that happens and i was just i was i was testifying of the words nathaniel had spoken i suppose yeah, but go ahead Greg, um, you had something to add ryuji really is uh ryuji really is relatable in a lot of ways oh, um, man. his all the worst stupidity. ways his stupidity <laughs> is so relatable it's tragic really but it's relatable Mm-hmm. Anyway, no, I I had uh, I had a couple of thoughts. Um, the from from what you were saying about the way that uh, about the way that Taiga hides um, hides her love for for Ryuji from everybody as like this personal secret, and then just at the end, um, and then just at the end, kind of reveals it to him. It's kind of I feel like it's a fulfillment of the promise the show gives in like the opening uh in the opening monologue or duologue. It's not exactly a dialogue because they're not talking to each other, but when uh when you have the voiceovers from mm-hmm. Taiga and Ryuji right at the beginning mm-hmm. of the show where they said the end, but right? someday Sorry, what? And they repeat it at the end, don't they? Yeah, cuz that's the way it's meant. Someday someone will find it and it'll be the one person who's meant to because that's the way it's meant to be. I feel like it's the fulfillment of that. I feel like we got exactly what we were promised even though it even though her love for Ryuji is really kind of selfish for most of the show. Mm-hmm. I feel like we got exactly what we were promised. I don't feel I don't feel like they they tricked us in any way except like to make us maybe not realize the whole way through that we were building up to that moment until it finally till it finally hit. Um speaking of that moment, we are rapidly running out of time. Um Well, can I add two more Taiga thoughts before we're done or have I burned all my Taiga time? I mean, <laughs> burned all my Taiga time was uh, my favorite uh studio single. Um <laughs> uh, you by Taylor that Swift. With- <laughs> You've mistaken that with burning all my Taiga time by the Decemberists, which was a great hit. Uh, just a slight correction there. Um, okay, I, I Joe, Joe Exotic did joke. a cover of it. <laughs> no, but seriously, uh, for those of you at home, we can get about eight hundred measures in on the Garage Band. Uh, we're at six hundred and sixty on this end. So. All right, all right, I'll make it quick. Okay. Um, another thought about Taiga's interiority. I think about the very last sequence where she comes back after their graduation and literally hides in a locker from him, uh, which is very funny. And then when he immediately opens the locker and is like, I love you, she's like, you are not supposed to say that, sir. Right? Like, immediately he opens up, like, physically exposes her, right? Like, she's hiding in this locker, physically exposes her hiding spot, and then immediately says, I love you, which also exposes, like, her emotional interiority and immediately just, like, opens it all up. Which I think is is really cool. Anyway, I, I, I'll I have another one, but I'll leave it there. We can talk about it later, off off pod. Well, but I I think it's interesting. 
Yeah, well, let's let's take that as a transition, because I think it works, and let's talk about the finale to round things up, um, because I I was getting texts from both of you as you finished the <laughs> as you each separately finished the finale, and <laughs> it seemed like uh, it seemed like you had some pretty strong reactions to it. I I get emotional. I, I've watched this show. This is my third time watching it, I think, and I I get emotional every time where I'm. Where I'm just overcome by the catharsis of the end, but I want to I want to hear your guys' takes. So I've probably said this before on the podcast, but maybe not. Um, my favorite part of a story is the end of the story. Um, like that's the part that I go to the story for. I go for the end of it. Um, and Toradora's ending for me did not disappoint. Um, it was my favorite part of this show, as it is for many shows for me. Um, but. What surprised me most was the high level of emotional maturity that Ryuji shows, and then inspires Taiga to show. Um, and what I mean by that is they make a plan to run away and elope. Like, <laughs> uh, you missed the part where the literal second before they make that plan, Taiga jumps off of a bridge. <laughs> oh, wait, after she pushes him off of the bridge. <laughs> so, yeah, maybe not the most uh, forethought decision. Well, and then they're in their friend's apartment, and they're and all of their friends are gathered, and they're like, so what's going on? And they're like, and Ryuji's like, well, and Taiga's like, we're going to run away and get eloped. <laughs> like, and it's just wild. Uh, I love how all of their friends are like, well, that's dumb, but here's some money. Right. Here's the key which... to my cabin. <laughs> <laughs> their friends are... Totally right. It's dumb. And then um, Yasuko, uh, Ryuji's mom, runs away. Um, Powerful. Which is really good. Um, because she's a child, um, emotionally speaking. And Ryuji goes, dang it, I need to step up. I can't just run away, otherwise I'm going to be like my mom. And he means that in the, I do not want to be like that way. Like, this is the worst thing I could possibly do. And so he goes to his literally never met them before grandparents' house. Um, which is like a weirdly mature decision. And I love it. Um, well, at the guidance of, uh, of Yasuko. Yeah. I, I would like to take the time to defend Yasuko. Okay. But we don't have the time. Okay. So maybe, uh, maybe we say, can do that for. Yeah. Suffice it... to say, we we stand a proletariat mother. Yes, we do. <laughs> yes, we do. Um, but then they take the opportunity at the grandparents' house to bring Ryuji's mom back into their lives um, through subterfuge. Um, by saying that Ryuji got in a car accident. Um, My favorite is the footage of Taiga on the phone, <laughs> like as he's explaining how they got her there, and you just see Taiga like waving her arms around, like really getting into the performance, even though she's on the phone. <laughs> incredible, incredible sequence. Uh, yes, it's it's very good. Um, but then that further inspires Taiga to instead of going and getting married, and Ryuji even knows. When she says, okay, I'm just going to go pack up some things, that she's lying to him. Um, or at least he seems to suspect. And then she goes and lives with her mom for two months. No. No, no a year, longer. dude. Is it a full year? Yeah, that's the that's the end of the senior year. That's their graduation. Oh, yeah. my. They were I coming back up to a year later. I missed that, I guess. Yep. Wow. That's what makes the ending so good, is she just goes. Wow. Yeah, either way, I think that that just strengthens the amount of emotional maturity shown there, which is very good. Yeah, she, she goes she... to repair her relationship with her mother. Before she's willing to... Yeah. And kind of her... resolve some of those issues that were making her relationship with Ryuji kind of problematic. Mm -hmm. Her dependency issues. Yeah. Anyway... I think it's brilliant. Um, I've talked about literally everything I love about the finale now at this point. Oh, except for one more thing, which is the bento box. That's <laughs> not the end. No, 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 no. This is really important. What's the final line that Ryuji says in the episode? It was on that day that no, I learned. No, 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 no. No, that's, that's not the beginning in that of the OVA. <laughs> what? 
Is yeah, that the beginning not, of the that's next? That's part of that episode. That's the beginning of the OVA. Oh. Okay, dude, that would have been a crazy... So this is exactly what I was trying to explain to you off, off mic. <laughs> the emotional severance that comes between the end of that episode and the beginning of the OVA is... It's astonishing. It is like getting hit across the face by Taiga's samurai sword. Like, well, it is... <laughs> terrible <laughs> the reason i was gonna say that well now i still have to give my thought i thought that they were saying that because you know how she says when they're on the train about to go get eloped and she says well we're supposed to get bento at the station after eloping but i guess this will do in reference to the homemade lunch he made yeah um i thought that that line where he says on that day i learned the secret of the bento box i thought that's what he was referencing and i thought that was super cool i'm really disappointed you thought they were eloping again like right that minute well yeah and that they were in love and like you know (laughs) anyway anyway well they they certainly are in love i don't think the i don't think the ending gives us much ambiguity right although when she left i thought she was leaving leaving and even when she texted him and was like, hey, you never told me you loved me, right? Even when that happened, I was like, okay, what? Like, I guess that's it then. And she, like, sent the the picture of the star to mm-hmm. everybody. I was like, okay, this is a whole thing that's happening, right? I didn't connect that she still was going to keep in contact with him. I don't know why. I thought she had ghosted until they were, like, doing the graduation thing. And there was a guy in the background. He's like... Yeah, I hear, like, the Palm Top Tiger dated Ryuji or whatever. Like, they, like, use a throwaway line. I'm like, oh, I guess they dated for that whole year even though she was gone. That makes perfect sense. I don't know why I would have thought it would be any other way, but I thought she was just gone. <laughs> like, I thought she just up and full ghosted, which is very funny. And now that I read you my... in hindsight. The the first two times I watched this, I, I just kind of assumed that was the case. And then this time, I my take was close to yours there. I just figured she kept in touch with him. Yeah. But, but like didn't see any of them, but that she had kept in touch with him anyway. Yeah. Yeah. I presume it, she it was, it was very him. good. Anyway. Um, I wanted to just ask, did the second season live up to your expectations? Logan? I mean, this is a second season that after, in, within an hour of, like, watch time, Taiga shoves him off a bridge, jumps into his arm. They have, they go to his grandparents' house and he introduces her as his wife, Taiga Aisaka, which is very funny because they were certainly not married at that point. Um, <laughs> and then they have, like, the best first kiss sequence ever, which is, it's terrible, but then they're like, let's do that again because... It was terrible, but it was kind of nice, right? Like, she's like, your breath stinks and your lips are chapped and you're ugly and I'm not going to kiss you. And then he's like, but what if we did? And she's like, let's do it again. Just one more time. I don't know. Yes, <laughs> the second season was great for me. I oh, did it live up to my expectations. My one expectation was this will be the, the season or the half or the whatever that they get together. And that was the only thing I wanted. And trust me, there were some moments near the end there where I thought that wasn't going to happen, <laughs> but that was my only expectation. And yes, it, it heartily exceeded that. I, it was so much better than them just ending up together. It was really well written. I thought anyway, I ramble, but it, I thought it was incredible. Well, we have 10 measures left on garage band over here. Um, I better take us out, huh? I was going to say I did like season two a fair bit. If my expectations were the height of Taiga, uh, they were closer to the height of Ryuji is what they gave me. Um, Okay, nice. That was Okay, take us out. Take us out. (laughs) All right. Uh, We know Greg measures. Thanks. (laughs) Thanks again for sticking around as we discussed our hot Toradora takes. Um, and, and talked about the different characters in this anime, which we all love, uh, surprisingly, on my part. Next time we're going to be talking about the Disney film uh, Atlantis, The Lost Empire, which is uh, Nathaniel's pick for us. We're going to be uh, probably, I'm going to guess, analyzing some of the more problematic parts of that film, um, discussing uh, some of its meanings, and, and really diving deep into its plot and its themes. So that is available on Disney+. Plus. You can go ahead and, and scope that very old and very, um, I would say, off-tempo Disney film. If you haven't seen it, it is a watch, so brace yourself. It's a lot of fun. I, I still remember seeing it in theaters. Uh, 
You can't see our podcast in theaters, but if you wish you could and you really like it, you can go onto your podcast platform of choice and, and like our podcast, follow it, subscribe to it, whatever you can do. Um, and tell any friends who you think might enjoy listening or who might really like Taiga Isaka, as we all do. We stand a legend with a samurai sword. Uh, you can reach out to us on social media. We're at Peep This Noise on Twitter, all one unbroken phrase. You can reach out to us, as I alluded to earlier, at mail at peepthisnoise.com. That's our email address. Uh, we have some original content uh, written, very little still. I'm, I'm working on editing, but you know, it's summer and that's hard for me. But you can find that at www.peepthisnoise.com. I'd like to give a special thank you to Katie Davidson and the band Key Losers. They're the ones who let us use their song Don't Know Why from the album California Light as our show's theme song. Uh, you're going to hear a little bit of that song here as we go out, and you heard some at the top. If you hear that, you think, wow, this is really good, go check out that album, California Light, L-I-T-E. You're going to love that album, and that is Logan Johnson and Peep This Noise Guarantee with the full faith and credit of the United States of America behind it. Thanks again for listening to Peep This Noise, and remember, everybody likes bad things. Open up your mind Let the wind inside you Think about the time I don't